millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Fortunately, there was no extra slice this week um, because, well, you we just didn't have the time. We didn't want to do it either. No, so, no, yeah. we didn't. That's uh, you can hear that, Sebastian. Sebastian Staffordblow, how are you doing? Seb, sorry, doing good, say. mate. I kind of we've we've been talking for about half an hour before we started recording, so I'm kind of worried that I've run out of things to say to you now. I know. I kind of I've, I've just been thinking as I've started recording this. Oh Christ! What are we going to talk about? Um, well, I mean, I suppose we've we've got out of the way all the things that you know that we would have to redact during yeah. the editing process because obviously, you know, can't slag off too many people on the actual pod. We've got that. I, I'll tell you who we can slag off actually, um, mm. Mr. Raj Baines, who mm. actually isn't recording this evening. He's not recording his Tottenham Hotspur, who he proclaims to support podcast, because he's actually at a game with his season ticket uh, for another team. I think that is... Even though you've had the hashtag disgrace level that you said, I think that is... That's an absolute disgrace in in my book. I think it's more than a disgrace, mate. I, I feel hurt by it. <laughs> it's, I, it's disgusting. That's the one, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's the step on from from disgrace no, you know we'll, we, we'll have our revenge when we doctor the uh the fancy super league results yeah. we, you, know, you wait for that rog would you see people tweeting tesco because the queue's been too long and you know don't don't worry about you know famine in the third world and you know people in calais who are you know penned into makeshift shanty towns so on and so forth your queue in tesco's mate that that was dis- that was absolutely disgusting and it's despicable that you had to wait 15 minutes for the man to come and help you on the self-service checkout. I, I you know, it's, uh, I've, I'm just, you know, I'm having my usual meltdown, so it's, it, it has to you, you know, on the um, on those self-service machines, I am actually going to have a bit of a, a uh, developed world meltdown. I, um, I, I've recently, uh, my bank card has recently been replaced. I, I went through the expiry date, so my bank kindly sent me a new one. And I went That's out nice a couple of... It's yeah, almost no, like they want you to spend your money or something. It is almost yeah. like that. It's very considerate of them. Um, and I, I went out to do, to do my shopping at Waitrose, obviously. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing worse than your card. I, I accidentally took the card that had been replaced and had obviously been um, deactivated. And I tried to use it on one of those self-service machines. And when, when your card is declined in one of those, it sort of flashes and makes a noise. 
It's fucking humiliating. The noises. It's like the, the Game of Thrones sh- sh- bell of shame, isn't it? <laughs> shame. <laughs> them yeah. wheeling you through the Tesco store just shouting shame and not, I know that but then I, I felt obliged to sort of very publicly and very loudly explain my situation I was like oh no no I've, I, I brought the wrong card it, it sounded entirely unconvincing um, and, you, and you left the left the establishment with holes in your shoes and fingerless gloves mate asking for change well, outside well no I, I also again and, and this is slightly worse but I very loudly made sure everyone knew that I had the cash just in case, so I got, I got directed to the like, the, uh, and then I, I walked through with like a sort of twenty pound note spilling out of my wallet in a sort of very deliberate, pride-saving way. It, no one won really. It was just a humiliation from start to finish. I remember Ricky um, from the Fighting Cop once having a bit of a bitch on Twitter as he was stuck stuck behind. I think is as he described it, a doddery old fucker using the. Um, <laughs> Self-service, self-service machine, trying to scan a, a coconut that didn't have a barcode on it, and just wondering, <laughs> wondering why it wouldn't. Is that a position you find yourself in at all? So I know you and your your affinity with technology. Do I oh mate, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I bet you're a nightmare to stand behind on the self-service machines. Actually, no mate. I, I think I'm, about I'm completely it. the opposite. I, yeah. what, what, I, I'm in the queue and I feel myself <laughs> boiling with rage at how how long certain people are taking and kind of, you know, in a, in a sort of like, yeah, it's more than just you in this store kind of mode. And um, and then when I get there, I have this kind of attack of conscience when I thought, well. I've just been an absolute prick in a sort of passive-aggressive way whilst in the queue. So now that I'm here, I'm going to, I'm going to go as quickly as possible. And I'm going to make a big you know, display of making sure that even when I have to search an item like a croissant or coconut, do it very quickly, very swiftly, you know, make sure the bag is open so I can go from the checkout to the bag immediately. Don't fuck about after you pay. I'm pretty good in that situation. Very cold under pressure. I, I hate it sometimes when I'm watching other people using it, and it, you know you can see that sometimes when the machines are a bit temperamental, you put it in the bagging area as it so asks, and it will still just say, you know, item removed from the bagging area when nothing's been removed. And when you're behind that person in the queue, though, you always think, "Fucking idiot! Like, yeah. fu- absolute fucking moron! All you need to do is scan it." Put it in the fucking bagging area. Like it fucking tells you to <laughs> and do then that. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Put your fucking money in with your piggy little sweaty hand. And then get Stop your things. A fucking chat with the little attendant yeah. person. Take your fucking the queue. Yeah. Take your fucking turkey dinosaurs and fuck off home and eat them. You know. <laughs> but when it's you that has to step up to the plate, Completely and you different. put it in there, and it starts telling you to put it in the bagging area. Oh mate, that's when I'm like, excuse me, you, you your machine. It, I I think it's faulty. I think it's faulty, but I'm morti- I'm mortified. I'm absolutely mortified. Generally, the angrier I am, when I actually get angry about things, it's generally not because I'm actually angry or I'm like filled with rage. I'm actually, despite my uh, outward appearance, sometimes I'm not actually a particularly angry person. Generally, I just use like this kind of facade of anger to hide what is generally just embarrassment or self-loathing, you know, which I guess is what anger is at, at its root. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a bit of an existential breakdown. Acute again. embarrassment, basically. Jesus. Yeah. Um, which, speaking of acute embarrassment, um, shipping a two-goal lead at home to Stoke City. Well, okay, that's probably, 
probably unfair now. We've we've kind of gone over last week that Stoke are a bit more than just an embarrassing side. Um, but still, 2-0 up at home to Stoke, come on. I mean, like, they, they might have bought a few players from Barcelona or whatever, but they're still Stoke. You know, we, I... I what what you're I mean, we'll go through some of the like the finer talking points of the game and the things that people have been talking about on social in mm. just a moment, mate. But like in summary, what did you make of the performance as a whole? Um, a lot of it was quite good. I mean, it wasn't the best game of football, but I, I thought parts of our play were all right. Um, and actually, that made it worse because we we had um. Had Harry Kane taken that chance at two 0 and made it three, we'd all be sitting here sort of saying, "Oh, what, what an efficient game that was!" And you know, because Stoke are a good side, and they're they're kind of they've become almost like a barometer team. So they're they're sort of what Everton used to be in the sense that if you beat them, you've done quite well wherever it is, whether it's home or away, because they're you know they're they're pretty stubborn. Mm. Uh, but I just I don't know. It was so. It was so the whole thing was so unnecessary. It was kind of. I mean, I remember watching Toby Alderweireld last season. Just he's a very reliable defender and never made any mistakes. I think this is even something he said himself post game. Put a Tottenham shirt on him, <laughs> and look, and, and and that was just the most. It, it wasn't even losing the two 0 lead. It was just how predictable it all became and how familiar it all was. And and you know, you, you tried to clothesline um, Osalu in the you know in the corner of the box penalty, and then as soon as that went in, you knew what was going to happen. Mm. Paul just kept going back, and we just—I um. It was a needless penalty to give away. Ah, uh, it's just silly. He's—he's he's not, you know. First of all, he shouldn't be able to. He's not a bad player, but you—you you shouldn't be able to get out of that corner, really. And then, even if you do, you let him run through. You don't just, you know, um, you—you—you you, you don't do what he did. I mean, one of the uh, the points of focus has been um. Obviously, the decision to take Kane off the pitch and Ryan yeah. Mason, um, and then essentially revert to a probably a more a, 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 a defensive kind of setup with that because we don't have an actual recognised striker on the pitch once Kane's come off. I guess had Lamella acting as what you would assume would be some kind of like strange false nine, but in in actual fact, just drop back and. Let Chadley sort of play as the as the centre point. Really, yeah, isn't it? Um, but I mean, even 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 before that point, for me, it two nil almost felt like a bit of a a, a false scoreline in respect. To, I think we were very defensively sound in the opening stages, yeah. and I think we controlled the midfield, um, and that's arguably something that Dembele gave us as a positive before I actually start laying into Dembele, you know, he is... Tell us what you really think of Mr. Dembele. <laughs> yeah, his, his, like, you know, his his noted ball retention um, and his combative qualities in the middle are, although even though he was, you know, effectively starting on the right, really, he just seemed to drift inside constantly. Um, and that's noted, and I think we controlled the game in that respect. But to me, still, even when we had Harry Kane on the pitch... Um, there was no, there was no cutting edge to our play, really. I mean, I mean, you know, we got the first goal from a corner, um, which I'm not going to bemoan. It's lovely to score from a corner after we've just been talking about the fact last week that no one really scores goal. from set pieces yeah. in particular corners, I should say, anymore. Um, but our second goal, our second goal felt, dare I say, it, a, a bit fluky in a way. Well, especially after it, because it, it came a, a couple of minutes after. Um, 
after uh, Diouf had missed that chance when he, when he, when he had that header inside the six yard box. Sitter, wasn't straight it? at Lloris, yeah. But by the way, a really good goalkeeping because Lloris readjusted his position really well and yeah, it's a great bit of anticipation. But that should have been 1-1 and it wouldn't have flattered Stoke to, to, for two equalise at that point. I'm, I'm glad you said that as well, mate, because I saw on uh, on Match of the Day, I, I was at the game, but on Match of the Day they were talking about... Um, you know, oh, he's hit that straight at Larissa. And I was thinking, no, he, he didn't. Oh, yeah, Larissa has, has done well there, you know. Um, I, um, well, I, when, when I was younger, I used to play as a goalkeeper. And um, one of the things that they, they, they teach you um, within the position is that okay, you're obviously expected to make saves and dive and all that kind of stuff and, and, and take crosses. But like, one of the most important aspects of the position is the setup. So how you move your feet before a ball is struck so that you're in the right area to either make the save or to close down an angle. And if you watch if you watch Lloris in the build-up to that moment and watch his feet and watch his adjustment, that's really more to do with the chance not going in than anything Juve does. Because to be fair to him, he, he gets a good contact on the ball. He 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 it's it's pretty it, it came to him pretty quickly and it's quite an instinctive reaction. And he didn't do an awful lot wrong. It's just really good goalkeeping. Um but yeah, no, should have been one one. Yeah. Um and so the, then the, the the collapse happened. Yeah. Um, Led by Stephen Ireland. I mean, for fuck's sake. Now, he's not a bad player, but you shouldn't be unpicked at home by someone of that calibre. No. And that that's what that's what really grated is that Match of the Day or one of the, the roundup shows actually did a really good job of, of showing his contribution when he came on and how bad we were taking away his space. He did absolutely what he wanted to against us. And... um. Yeah, I mean, what you were saying about us playing defensively was, I think that was right, but it was, it was such a such a strange decision because we weren't set up to play defensively. We, we had, um, you know, we, we have a good back four now and, and, you know, we superficially have quite a protecting defensive midfield, but we, we have Eric Dyer playing in a position he's not accustomed to and one in which he, he has no professional experience in. Ron Mason, who's not really a ball winner playing alongside him, and then later in the game... Nabil Bentaleb, who, who who prefers to be on the ball than to to you know defend against opponents when they have it, um, and so we were always going to be really porous through that part of the pitch, and then we don't have a forward on the pitch so that the ball doesn't stay at the other end, and it was just this sort of irritating confluence of problems that we played ourselves into. Well, it, it also seemed that when the changes came, there was no real, and I, I think no, even before the changes um, came, to be honest, I, I just. To me, at least, anyway, the, the way we set out, it, it just seemed like there was a confused kind of ideology there. I didn't, I didn't yeah. really get what we were setting out to do. To be, to be brutally honest with you, I didn't, I didn't really understand the game plan. I didn't really see. I, I, I didn't. I certainly didn't understand the game plan once we got to Tino. It was as if we, we sort of everything that had worked up until that point. We thought, right, well, let's stop doing that, and then let's just retreat behind the ball and hope for the best. And it was so. It was it was it was odd. It was such a because I mean, we we were creating chances. I mean, not many of them, but we, we we produced enough to win that game quite comfortably, and to have put Stoke away with twenty minutes to play. And yet, I don't know. We 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 just voluntarily invited them onto us, which is such a such a Tottenham approach to a to a two 0 lead. <laughs> it, it, I, I was I was talking uh, um, a minute ago about how you know I was highlighting one of the positives that Dembele gave to us but 
I think like to 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 go back into kind of my Dembele out rhetoric again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's all well and good to kind of retain the ball um, and to win possession in the midfield, but then to consistently do nothing with it. Because yeah. I've, I've seen a few people say, oh, Dembele had a good game against Stoke. Um, and it's, yeah, okay, he didn't do much wrong, but he didn't do much right either. That's yeah. that's the thing for me. And that's what I always find with him. That's what I find so frustrating with him. Is it? It's like, f- for example, um, Ryan Mason is a player who, you know, like we've said, yeah, perhaps like positionally he's not that uh, disciplined. And he will break away from that and he'll make those surging runs and probably kind of, you know, undermine Ericsson's position on the pitch or, you know, create a bit of chaos as far as we're concerned, as far as our own kind of setup is concerned, um, when we are going forwards. But at the same time it has that effect on the other on the opposition as well. And I quite I just quite like his tenacity. I like that he, he does that. And yeah, he fucks up. He's not he's he isn't perfect. You know, a lot of his shooting is still bizarrely wayward considering he used to bang him in for fun in the lower leagues. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a composure yeah. thing. I think that's that's um I think that will heal in time once yeah. he Yeah. But I, I think for Ryan for for all the kind of like the times he, you know, fucks up or he, you know, perhaps these is a, a little exposed at the back, I see positives to what he's doing in that he always has, you know, there's always an intent to his play. Yeah. It always seems like he is focused on getting the ball forwards as quickly as possible, be that him carrying it forwards or be it him pinging the ball forwards. And yeah, his passing is sometimes wayward and his shooting is sometimes wayward, but he's looking to attack. He's always looking to attack. And then when he's not doing that, it's not just a case of... I mean, that, that, I think that's one of the main benefits. It was something we complain about, Mason, is, as you say, the lack of discipline. But because he's quite erratic with his positioning um, and because he has that little bit of drive to go up to him beyond the defensive line, he must be quite hard to defend against. Yeah. Whereas, uh, conversely, can you imagine if you're a rival manager trying to deal with, with Moussa Dembele? You just say, right, well, you just don't let him in front of you and you put a block on all of his passing lanes fr- uh, 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 up the pitch. And you know exactly what he's going to do as a result. And and that he's a very, very, he's very neat, he's very tidy. He can dribble the ball all day and he's got a lovely touch. Great, terrific. But it doesn't matter because he just goes sideways. The, the times I would like to see Dembele, and this is the problem, because if we were a club the size of Chelsea, for example, mm. you could we could keep a player like Dembele, like the way they do with players like Cadrado, for example. Yeah. We could, or Ramirez, actually. Pre- precisely. You could keep a player like Dembele and just use him as and when he's needed. For me, a player like Dembele would be perfect for when, say, we are playing at Stamford Bridge, somewhere like that, and if we manage to nab a goal, if we do get a goal, it comes to like the 70th minute, bring on someone like Dembele. And, you know, when, when really, if we just want to hold on to a lead or something like that, we can be assured that we've got a player yeah. like that who is going to be able to retain the ball really well. Because that is what he's good at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But starting out, and I don't. He just, I don't especially know. at home, especially uh, against. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I think my main irritation is why, when we're we're using a converted centre back in defensive midfield, are we using? Okay, he's not our favourite central midfielder. But why are we using one of them, a natural in that role, on the right hand side? When he is, that, that's, uh, I mean, you don't have to have watched a lot of Tottenham to realise that that doesn't seem to fit what we're trying to do. We're a side that's built to play on the counter attack with pace and with forward intent, and yet one of our main attacking players can't go forward with the ball. There's there's an interesting point, um, Dan, 
who uh, the Tottenham way you may know him as. And yep. They've just started their own podcast, which is actually a very good listen. Um, anyone listening to this, you should uh, yeah, some new new podcast this season. It's him and uh, Tom Tom Hayward. They're both both very I good. Actually, that, though, that is a very good lesson. Yeah, yeah it, good it, stuff, guys. It, it is good. And they uh, well, Dan Dan was making the point um, that you know a lot of people are kind of buying into this whole narrative that. Is Pochettino making some big point to Levy by putting Dyer in midfield, so on and so forth? Or is it just simply the case that, you know, they've seen in training that he's shown a few attributes because he is still young, he's still a developing talent, where they think, well, you know, we we don't have the budget, our budget, we've been told in no one's, Dan didn't say this part, this is me kind of paraphrasing on top now, you know, it, it, that essentially I might have seen some attributes that would say, let's give Dyer a run in in midfield and perhaps he can make it. He's not going to be, you know, a cast iron option for us there, but let's just give him a go. Mm. And what, yeah, I can kind of see the logic in that in respect to, you know, for all we know, Pochettino and the coaching team have been told, look, you know, you've got whatever. Now, after you've spent that money on Clinton and Jai, that there's 20 mil left, you know, there's, there's 20 million pounds left to spend which will be pretty much everything we've made in outgoings. Now, it's no secret that we really, really want a striker, and that's been seen today after we've made that apparent £18 million bid for Berahino. Um, Maybe we are just giving Dyer that that chance because we know we need someone else that can operate as a defensive midfielder, and we've just seen with Dyer he's got certain attributes, like you know some of his forward play last year. He, as much as I see what you're saying, he can't really carry the ball forwards. But I mean, more like his kind of distribution. Not, uh, yeah, he, 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 I, I don't think Dyer's done a bad job in defensive midfield. I, 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 I'm it's not very inspiring, I'm to say. though, is it? It's just it's so. It just seems um, counter to to what we're trying to be. I mean, yeah. the, the emphasis last season was on play on, on putting ball players in those in those positions. We. You know, Mason and um, and Bentaleb spent most of the year in there. Anything I can understand that they're not perfect players, but you know, to different degrees, they're developing into something. But they facilitate what we're trying to do as a as a unit. Whereas with Dyer, I just see him. I, I and uh, you know, credit to him. I, th- I thought he had a good game at Old Trafford. He, he did okay on the weekend, but he's just a stopper when he plays there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't. Um, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't understand how that fits with. With our whatever the grand plan is here, it's, it just seems uh, contrary to, to everything we've we've been led to believe is is uh, is Pochettino's thinking. It's baffling. One final one we'll touch on here. I think we can probably talk about it a bit more in the second half, or him, I should say, in the second half. But in terms of his performance on the weekend, Eric Lamella, as per usual, has picked up quite a bit of flack. Um, I mean, I'm I'm probably a bit of a Lamella apologist, um, if I'm to be honest, if I was to be completely objective about it. But at the same time, on top of that, I think there is a, there is a, a definite developing movement in that Eric Lamella is the sole reason for why you know everything is going wrong two games into the season mm. at Tottenham at the moment, um, and a lot of people did jump on his performance I mean in the ground there was pretty much groaning from the second he came onto the pitch yeah because you were there on the weekend weren't you yeah and I, I personally I don't I don't feel that he might not have done an awful lot right as I'm saying Dembele didn't but I, I really don't think he was as abysmal as is being made out um 
is going to make. I think there are legitimate concerns. I really do agree with the fact there are legitimate concerns about you know the, uh, the frequency with which he loses the ball. Um, his habit of still, which is I think probably the most frustrating, his habit of still dwelling in possession because he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, can't can't pretend that isn't the case. But at the same time, I think it's it, there is still this this level where people kind of willingly neglect the fact that he does bring a lot of positives to the team as well. Um, I mean, he he is. Uh, I was saying the other day. It seems to me that. Even Ericsson doesn't really thread through as many through balls as Lamella seems to. Lamella seems to have just a knack and a, a great vision for for playing through for for Kane in particular. Um, we've seen him. We've seen him do that several times over the course of last season. I mean, and this is. I mean, a lot of people are talking about. I think this is probably something we should talk about in the second half. But a lot of people are talking about replacing him with Yannick Balassi, for example. Joking. Oh, I, I just, I just, I cannot, I cannot understand how you can't see that for for all of Lamella's faults, you know, this is still a guy that chipped in with what 10, 11 assists last year and six, seven, eight goals for us. You know, that's it's still it's it's not a world class return, but well, I mean, the the, go- the goals is a bit of a false economy because obviously that, there's Europa League in that, but he was. The way I see, I, I mean, the criticism of, of Lamella is is fairly reasonable in the sense that, you know, he does he does hold on the ball too long, he does dally in possession, he does he he it seems he doesn't seem to understand you know how to play economically and, and it, mm. within certain situations and he does turn the ball over more than he should. But what's frustrating, I think, is that he we we said before we started recording that he's regressed to the level that he was at before he had that little renaissance at the end of yeah. last season. Um, but I think that he's he's always going to be a, a player that you have to be slightly tolerant of because habitually he is very low percentage. He is on the pitch to do low percentage things and to be a playmaker and to take defenders on. And there's always going to be a risk with that. That isn't to say that he should be given a free pass for his current form. I just think, I don't think I can ever get on board with the idea of, of, of getting on one of our own players' backs as much as, as we do Lamella. Um, I used to, I mean, this is going back a few years now, but I used to say much the same thing with, with Jermaine Genus. I remember that a lot of the people that I used to sit around hated Genus. And I understand that, but Genus was, there was a purpose to him. And I don't, I never saw the benefit in, in, um, in applying more pressure on a player. And that's what you're ultimately doing when you're sitting in the stadium and, you know, the, it's not a big ground, White Hart Lane. Players can obviously sense when the crowd's on their back. And the idea that for Eric Lamella to come on, he's still in the process of trying to prove himself at Tottenham. And, and he, he must know how the majority, or what seems like a majority, feel towards him. And I, I don't see how that's really conducive to him ever. It's nothing we haven't said before, Jack, is it? It's just, it's just dispiriting. I mean, you, like you said, I mean, you, you texted after to just say from the moment he stepped on the pitch, there's negativity around him. Yeah, there isn't. It's I don't know. I just I I I find it pretty bizarre. I think you know we're talking about that regression. I think one of the things I I do worry about of him, and again, it's it's that that point that I should probably stop criticising it because I've done it for the second week in a row now. But mm. uh, is when you do kind of like read read between the lines speculatively, um, and you, it just seems that there is a bit of a. A developing attitude there. He he seems to be quite pissed off, but in a bad way that 
you know, perhaps he's not starting, but someone like Dembele is starting ahead of him because within seconds of coming on the pitch, he, he'd fouled someone and he just, you know, he... he he seems too eager, like in, in all, all kinds of different aspects of his game. And I, I always hate him being used as a substitute because I see Eric Lamella as someone that has to really play himself into a game. So, you know, maybe for the first 10 minutes, you know, he's completing you know, really high percentage square balls maybe and he's just recycling possession and, and being a, a key adhesive part of the attacking moves without, you know, taking players on or shooting or anything like that. When you bring him on as a substitute, he's nearly almost always dreadful. Because he, he comes on and he lurks himself into the game in this sort of sporadic, weird, overly eager to make an impact kind of way. And it just doesn't work. Um, and I, I can't think of, you know, I, I know Eric Lamella hasn't had many genuinely good performances for Tottenham. But I certainly can't think of any performances where, any, any instances where he's come off the bench and been a positive. Um, he's certainly offered, at least with the ball, I mean, he offers... Um, you know, a, 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 a defensive contribution, and, he, and he generally, that's pretty reliable, to be fair. But he, um, he just, he doesn't really understand how to grow into a game. I don't think. Uh, and yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think what frustrates me the most, and I honestly, <coughs> I think is, I, I don't even see as as a valid criticism. I think it needs to fuck the fuck off because I just think it's <laughs> the most asinine base level critique he can offer a player is when people bring his value into it you know what what a club specifies as as a player's value and you know what another club meets as that value has nothing to do with that player that Eric Lamella has not said to Roma I think you should sell me for 30 million pounds or said to Tottenham you know you should spend 30 million pounds on me Eric Lamella has gone out and played football and Roma have valued his talent and his ability and his worth to their team and attached a price to that, which Tottenham well, have decided to meet. To, to say, oh, well, he's not doing what a £30 million player should do, it's, it's just fucking bollocks. It's, it's just... It's such... Also, Rome, Roma negotiated that fee at a time when they knew we had money. Precisely, when we just they received we a world record wealthy. fee. We, we, they knew we had to spend it. It was the last days of the transfer window and we needed a bail-like player in our team as soon as possible. If you remember that transfer was done in the final days of that window. Um, in normal circumstances, we get Lamella probably for about £20 million, I would have thought. And, and fair play to Roma. Who, who wouldn't? I mean, they're completely in their, in their rights to take advantage of that situation. And in, in, in all fairness, he was probably a, a, you know, a Harry Kane type player at Roma as well, to be fair. You know, he kind of... Th- he did have quite that the one same. breakout season. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, there's no stylistic comparison, but he, he did sort of... There was a, an obvious sudden dramatic development to his game, yes. Yeah, and, you know, they, they weren't eager to let him go. He was very much a fan's favourite. He seemed to have an affinity with the club. and with He didn't seem to want to go, apparently. No. He wasn't... Yeah, but by the what, what you mentioned Yannick Balassi. I, I was talking to... Um, Joe Cooper, who I think we, we, we had on last season um, for, for one of the Palace episodes. And um, we were talking about Balassi. Balassi is a Crystal Palace player, not just in name, but in role too, because he is the kind of guy that, he first of all, he's a confidence player and he's probably arguably a big occasion player. So when you see him playing on Monday Night Football against Liverpool with under the floodlights with the Selhurst Park crowd right behind him, yes, he looks like a very good player. This is someone that doesn't even consistently have a place in the Palace team. 
He was left out of the um, the starting lineup on the opening day of the season. He was taken off at half time by Pardew on the weekend. This this guy is he's he's, he's not a YouTube player because he, he is very talented, but he's not the answer to anything, and he's certainly not the answer to anything given what Palace would want for him. He's a a ten million pound footballer, a a kind of he, he's an entertaining sort of winger who will very occasionally do things which are you know very watchable he might win the odd game or two but he's not a he's not going to be the um the uh, a consistent supplier of anything on either wing he's not you know that that's a absolutely stay away from transfer definitely especially considering they're going to want upwards again they're, they're going to want clearly upwards of 15 16 million pounds for him more like they're, they're talking sort of 25 30 for him which is absurd even in even in our English market, with uh, an English player, well, not an English player. He's uh, so well, he's he's born in this country. Who does he represent internationally? Um, it's oh, not well, France, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it's not. But he, uh, no, he's um, I can't remember. But no, football experts. Um, yeah. Right. Well, stuff. <laughs> we'll... <laughs> I'm stealing a living. Yeah, aren't we all, mate? Aren't we all? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just keep keep it going until the boss man finds out, and then uh, you know. Exactly. Yeah. No, oh, it's his fault. They pay us, so you know it's on on their heads. Mugs. Um, <laughs> I know mine aren't listening. Yeah, whatever pays my mortgage, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we uh, we'll, we can talk some more about like potential signings and net spends and market values in the second half but for now we have Raj Baines who wasn't too busy um, to help us out this week with Huddersfield Town um, to speak to Joe Bruin of 442 about Leicester City Joe Bruin uh, 442 is where you work isn't it that's right yeah uh, welcome back to the show. You were on last season to to talk about Leicester City, and it's changed an awful lot since back then. Um, I guess the, probably the best place to start is during the summer. Um, we'll we'll skim over Thailand just because I'm not either. I'm not sure either of us have got legal representation, um, so we'll skim <laughs> over that preseason tour away and just go straight to Nigel Pearson rather than the uh, the junior of the Pearson clan. And uh, what exactly happened there? How come he, he left the club after doing so well at the end of last season? Well, it's fair to say we're not going to win any awards for racial diversity anytime soon. Um, but well, from what no one really knows exactly what happened, but from from what I would gather from it is that his, his, his son was a bit of a div, um, did what he did with the other lads. Uh, he got sacked. His dad didn't like it. Probably said something he shouldn't. Uh, That's not like Nigel Pearson. He's, he's got that in him, let's say, yeah, <laughs> as, as you've just alluded to. Uh, and he didn't like it. He probably said to me, you shouldn't. And the owners thought, well, we don't need this crap anymore. So, you know, see you, mate. If we do move on to some of the stuff that he did come out with was quite extraordinary. He seemed to have his back against the wall a lot of the time and be on the defensive an awful lot of the time, no matter when anybody said really anything to him, whether it was innocuous or whether or not there was a tinge of something else there. I mean, the most famous one is that the ostrich rant towards the end of the season. Is that something that was present even back in the championship or was it the the famous pressure of the Premier League that seemed to crack him a little bit more? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, the spotlight is obviously nowhere near as, as intense on him in the championship. He probably had, you know, two men and the dog turn up to a press conference before. So it's definitely something that, that that's reared its head in the Premier League. Um, 
the, the most famous example, like you say, is the ostrich one, which was a perfectly innocuous question, which he took badly. I don't know whether he did it. He, he quite liked the us against the world mentality that he was bringing to the club, I think. And in the end, I think it worked for him because he got the players playing for him and, and it was his kind of drive that got us to, to where we did last season and got us over the line. Have you ever have you ever met the man or, or come come close to him in, in any sort of professional capacity? Have you seen him at work? I've I've asked him a couple of questions in press conferences, which he's batted back straight uh, for 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 a dot for a dot ball. Uh, but no, he's um, no, I've never met. I don't really know him personally. I've not I've not had the pleasure of interviewing him or anything like that. Sorry, because that's something that I would. I mean, I've. I've not pitched it to anyone. I'm not going to do it to you live now. But um, that's something I, I wanted to read more as a as a fan and just of intrigue. Somebody to ask him straight what exactly was his problem. And I had this suspicion, speaking as one northerner, to you know, perhaps you're more Midlands than I am. But you know, <laughs> I you, can't win. I'm either, I'm not northern and I'm not southern. Yeah. But if you ask if you ask my uni mates, then I was I was northern. So yeah, well, you're better than a proper southerner. So I feel more akin to you than I do <laughs> anyone else. That that seemed to get his back up a bit more. He seemed to be, you know, when people tried to sort of outsmart him and talk down to him, that seemed to be the thing that really annoyed him. Do you think he was a bit insecure about <laughs> about his northernness? <laughs> no, about the own like his almost his intelligence and the way in which he put himself across because. There was, I get the impression that some of these journalists can be a bit smarmy, can be a bit full of themselves in press conferences yeah. and think it's Leicester City, just this, you know, no offence, but a bit of a two-bob club. I'm not really speaking to Mourinho or Ferguson or anything like that. I can just sort of get away with what I choose here. Yeah, I think they did take them by surprise that their fairly straightforward questions were getting, you know, treated with... with not disrespect, let's say, but you know, not not they weren't given the answers that they probably should have been, and so it built from there. Really, one thing leads to another, and the next minute he's he's talking about flightless birds. And it's, <laughs> I really don't know because you, you you'll see you'll see one on one interviews with him, and he comes across really well. Um, he did one with Stuart James from the Guardian towards the end of last season, and he got asked about everything, and you know he played it down as he does. But you know this is he's an odd he's an oddball. He, he basically this is a bloke who who goes on walking holidays to Romania and gets fights off a pack of dogs and goes to see, you know, Canadian folk groups in his spare time. He's the sort of bloke who, you know, go down his local with his missus for a pint and, and then go back home. That's his idea of a great time. And I think he, I think he said that as, in as many words. Is the, is the wolf story true or is that just Pearson? Yeah. Is that... No, no, it's... it's it's true, yeah. Because we we had a laugh about that last season when we were speaking amongst each other. He um he did an interview with Henry Winter in in that championship promotion season, and and it came out came out in that. So can I imagine Henry Winter's delight when he told him that Henry Winter, who's currently on some form of gardening leave or something, isn't yeah. he in between jobs? Yeah, but um, because he wants. Yeah. He does as he pleases. There was that odd, odd uh, rumour that he was going to BuzzFeed at one point, which was mildly exciting. Um, but you've replaced him with uh, Claudio Ranieri, who's done really well um, since you've you've won two straight games, which, as you know, as a team who's lost one and drawn one, is is a, a position we'd probably like to be in. What's the what's the change been then since the management has? has, you know, gone awry in, in one regime and, and coming across in another? Because there was quite a bit of negativity because you you seem to approach every man and his dog across the summer, both in playing staff and manager-wise, and get turned away by quite a few. And you've got, you know, Greasers turned down, lost at home to the Faroe Islands manager. Yeah, we have. Um, 
Honestly, I was I was I was pretty open minded when he when he came in. There was a lot of uproar when he was announced, and I thought it was a bit unfair to be honest. I think, you know, he has this reputation as a bit of a funny foreign bloke, and it and he does sound like a funny foreign bloke when he speaks. He's still got bizarrely broken English, and it's quite funny to, to watch. But from what he's done so far is is really impressive, actually, in my opinion. He's he's basically come in. He's he's he kept the same formula that Pearson basically left him. You know, he's brought in his own players, but only one of them has started. And actually, Okazaki is the only new signing who started, and he's he's not actually Ranieri's signing. So he's not fiddled with anything, you know, much to his, his reputation. Uh, he's, he said when he came in, you know, I'm not going to change too much yet. Just implement my own way eventually. And, and that's exactly what he's done. And, and it's, you know, reaped the reward so far. It's quite terrifying, to be honest. What are the differences in your play then between Pearson and now? Because Pearson seemed to be loading the wings a lot and getting the ball into the centre and you had players like uh, Ijoa and, and Vardy who were in and around trying to you know sweep up what they could and um, Nugent as well every now and then would try some sort of 40 yard overhead bicycle kick and yeah. hit the post well yeah Nugent rest in peace has uh, joined Middlesbrough now so he's he's he's, he's departed uh, but basically the, the, the formula is exactly the same you know you can see yeah, how well Riyad Mahrez is doing this season on on the right, and and Mark Albrighton with him, he's also having fun. Um, and Jamie Vardy is just a machine of a man. You basically you just put the ball into some space, and he'll he'll do something with it. Uh, but it's it's basically we, we've been terrorising teams down the wings. I mean, Sunderland, Sunderland were they were hopeless uh, in every sense of the word. Um, and then West Ham was was a bigger test, and and apparently my, my West Ham supporting boss told me that Mahrez made Cresswell look non-league so <laughs> um, that's a nice indication of how it's going I was going to say it's quite fitting that um, Vardy spends a lot of his time on the right wing given his comments in casinos late at night um, <laughs> but um, that's another one for the Leicester City PR team who imagine got in early exactly. one morning just sort of sat there and went why us why have we got this job but you've you've talked about Okazaki have you brought in anybody else who's of any note this summer who's who's actually contributed yet because it's you you have this reputation as a side with owners who are willing to spend an awful lot of money, and I'm not sure that's actually the case. No, I mean they've, they've spent fairly sensibly. We've, you know, at the end of the day, we also do have 17 million pounds worth of strikers on the bench in in Leo Ajara and Andre Kramaric, which is which is nice to have. Um, but we've, we've we've not broken the bank as such this summer. I think Okazaki cost about seven or eight million, which is you know for the going rate for a, a very good Bundesliga striker, and he's he's looking the part as well. We signed uh, Angolo Kant, who's a, a miniature central midfielder who made the most tackles in France last season. He's basically come on in the last couple of games to shore it up. Signed uh, a centre back from Atalanta called Johan Benaloun, Benaloun, should I say, who is is just a, a lanky centre back really to someone. Another option alongside Huth, Morgan, and, and Co. And uh, it looks uh, from from when I speak to you now, it looks as if Gokhan Inla's going to come in in midfield and be the last piece of the puzzle, really. So, yeah, sensible. Play the Cambiasso role. Yeah, well, we've we've had to, you know, buy two players to replace him. So, what happened with with Cambiasso? How come he's decided to go elsewhere? The, the stories came around at the time that Ranieri basically spelled the end of Cambiasso's inter career. He was aging. You know, he was leaving him out of the team, and this was you know, unheard of at the time. But I think in reality, he's gone to Olympiacos who are in the Champions League. So you think you've got one more crack at, crack at the big time. Go to a team that's in the Champions League. It's a nice lifestyle out there. No offence to Leicester, but it's not, it's not Greece. It's got more money than, than Greece. 
It has got more money than Greece, probably. Um, but still, you know, I, I don't know how many years he's got left. <laughs> he, he could have a couple over there. But I'd, I'm just, I was, I was just happy that he didn't go to another English club because West Ham were linked with him, and I think Tottenham were mooted possibly around the time that we signed him in the first place. You know, so he didn't go anywhere else. So you know, fair play to him. We had a good year, and it was, it was a memorable year. I wouldn't have said no to Cambiasso to be honest, given. Um... His experience and he could have helped players like Ben Taleb and Mason perhaps settle down a little and get them into their rhythm. But um, the player I'm most intrigued by at Leicester is is Wes Morgan. Um, <laughs> you love Wes Morgan. I genuinely do love Wes Morgan because he makes me feel better about myself as a footballer because <laughs> if he can play Premier League football, then I'm fairly sure anyone can. Um, I'm not sure how good he was in the Championship, but he... I feel as if somebody should be playing the Benny Hill music whenever he's near the ball in the Premier League because he almost scored an own goal on the weekend again. Did he hit the bar with he it? Did. He's, he did. He did his best. Yeah. He didn't. He wasn't even looking in the right direction. He's brilliantly slapstick. Um, he, he's just. He, he feels like in every sitcom there's that one you know person who's there for physical comedy who'll fall over themselves like you know that Miranda Hart woman on the BBC does it a lot and he's just that big of a mess he falls over his own feet and things and the ball bounces in his own goal off his arse and I just want to know how he's still captain and playing every week when he's that bad well as you say Wes Wes could could make a phenomenal heart Highlights real, like the new signing with standard YouTube goals and assists video that you find every single season. Only for Wes, it's own goals and mishaps. However, uh, he is captain for a reason, and he was he was an, an colossal force when we were in the championship. Um, he's not perfect. He had a really bad spell at one point last season. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but he, he he is deserving of a place in the starting lineup. Still, he's still solid. He still gets his body in the way and blocks a lot. Um, he's not ideal, but he's not the worst defender you've ever seen in your life, and he's certainly not quite the Benny Hill type character, or else he wouldn't be in the team in, in the first <laughs> place. Although I, I can understand why people think he does, because because he, he does have a pretty special highlights reel. Is there any like anyone in the Leicester team who could displace him at all, or is there any feeling amongst the Leicester fans that perhaps it's time for him to to play a lesser role in the side? Because he you can understand from the fact that I can't get through a sentence without laughing of what I think of him. Because every time he he does anything of note on match of the day, it is something horrific in his own goal area. And uh, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Is, is there not any sort of contingency plan there, given that he, he has got this propensity to shoot himself in the foot? Well, that's the problem. The centre-back was a big issue last season for us. Um, Robert Huth came in in February on loan from Stoke and basically shored things up a little bit. But I think actually Morgan's probably been better than Huth in the last couple of games. Um, we've basically got a few centre-backs. We've got Robert Huth, we've got Wes Morgan, we've got Martin Vasilevsky, who's ageing and basically not 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 as good as Wes overall, you'd have to say. He's, he's solid, if very unspectacular. And then young Liam Moore, who's pretty much not ready for Premier League football, to be honest. Um, he's does well to get into the England under-21 team and needs to go out on, on loan and get some more football this season. Um, so, really, we don't have a dazzling array of, of options, to be honest. Is that a, is that an area that you should be buying more in then, even though you have, what, one centre-back already, two centre-backs? Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. We've got Ben Luan, who who's 
we don't really know how he is yet. He's looked he's looked fine in his couple of sub appearances. I think Ranieri likes the fact that he can just switch the defence around and bring him in. Uh, I think he came on at, he came on at right back against West Ham in the second half. Um, but so I think you know numbers wise we're fine, quality wise possibly not. But at the moment we're, we're we're going for the we'll score more one more than you policy. So it's it's going okay, but it's going to come and done at one point. What's the uh, the long term aim at Leicester then? Is it to establish yourselves in the Premier League and sort of move yourselves into what Stoke, Southampton, and and players like that have, and places like that have done, where they've sort of had that period towards the bottom of the league and then moved up slowly and establish themselves I mean in a word yeah they're, they're those two clubs are the are the blueprint as such you know you, you generally you need it's the first season that's most important because that's the one where you, you, you spend the least you find it hardest to attract players usually um, and we've done we've got over that hurdle uh, I think well still most people predicted us to finish in the relegation zone this season based on Ranieri essentially um, so it's nice to prove a few people wrong early on uh, but yeah, you know, Southampton are always going to be the club to look forward through. There was a time, I see, see us as a similar sort of club to them. We've got similar sort of fan bases, literally the same stadium, but a different colour because we copied them. <laughs> um, you know, they, 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 had a, they just had a, a season of consolidation in the first year. Uh, and then the second year was, was the one where they really kicked on. I mean, I don't expect us to do that, but they're the club everyone looks to now. What's the the feeling around from Leicester then? Because you you're quite an odd club, whereas you you're a big side in that people know who you are, and you've had players and you've done things in certain time periods where they've been of some note. It's not as if you're not to do them any disservice, but you're not a Bournemouth type outfit who have come out of the blue and and have done really well unexpectedly. You are a name that people know. Sort of, I, I'd club you together with teams like. Leeds and Nottingham Forest and Ipswich and clubs of that stature who are traditionally top tier sides, but you don't tend to stay here long. Um, is that something that you you fear could just be the the future of the club, just dropping in between leagues and you'll never be able to sort of establish yourself? Or will the the television money that you're getting in now just help you buffer yourselves away from other Championship sides? Premier League is a, is a bit of a a different world from from when we were last in it twice. I mean, I grew up with us in the in the Premier League as, in the, as a very good side in the in the mid to late nineties. Uh, went back down, went straight back up again. Only that time we we were there with Mickey Adams. We'd been in administration the season before uh, and got promoted, much to many people's disgust. And probably had a crack at the Premier League with with the oldest team in history. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. We we were literally lining up with an average age of 32, 33. If you look back at our transfer spending in 2003-04, it was minimal, less than you know a few mil for the whole season. Um, and this time it's different. You know, we've 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 got that first season in the bag, and things are things are looking better rather than worse. So I don't see us dropping necessarily, um, but it would be disappointing because the last you know decade. In the, in the championship and League One was was pretty crap to be honest. So we don't want that again. Your owner is worth something close to three billion pounds US, isn't he? From from Thailand, um, and nobody really knows about him when they talk about the 
the real big players in the in the ownership of the Premier League that he's not really ever mentioned because I'm not sure people are too familiar with him. But what exactly does he do in terms of his involvement with the club? Is he hands on or is he one of those people that owns a business that owns the club and and sort of you know hovers around in a distance? Yeah, I mean the the the, the dad is is the top dog of uh, of King Power who a duty free company in Thailand basically. So you see them at airports, um, and then his his son is also heavily involved. So I think he's he's more involved in the day to day running. Um, but his dad does get involved. I think the first time Pearson got sacked in inverted commas last season, I think it was his dad who pulled the trigger, and then his son who said, "No, no, no, not yet." Um, so he does get involved, but he's he lets his son do most of it. I think. Okay. But they 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 go to a lot of games, and you know they do care. So. There are much worse owners that we could have, that's for sure. They generally listen to the people who know what they're talking about. It's not a Venkis type situation. It's not a Venkis, no. Because <laughs> they they ruined the club, didn't they, Blackburn? Oh, yeah, they they, they basically, yeah, they helped them get relegated. I think even Venkis now keep themselves to themselves in the background. I think once the, once the team goes out of the Premier League, people lose interest and, you know, you don't make any money from football do you really it's a good way of, of making 20 million into 5 million so if we concentrate on the, the game a bit more our um, our games last season were quite close um, the, the away game specifically I remember we was it Boxing Day or yes it was yeah, Boxing Day I think it was where you you, you probably should have beaten yeah. us by a good few and we, we just robbed it essentially in the last moment that, that game was pretty much the nutshell of our season that was that was it was those sorts of games where why we always had hope last season because, like you say, arguably we should have won that game. Um, obviously, we gave Harry Kane a goal within about five to ten minutes, as we did regularly last season. Um, and then we got back into it and then we gave away a stupid free kick, really. Ben Hamer was, was in goal for us that day. He gave Ericsson a gimme goal from a free kick. And then we had a Stonewall penalty turned down. And then the game at White Hart Lane, we give Harry Kane probably one of the worst hat tricks ever seen. Um, but it was a hat trick nonetheless. You beat us in the the FA Cup, though. Was that was that the one where you came back and beat us in the last sort of minutes? Yeah, Michelle Vaughan did us a favour that day. Um, yeah, yeah, we came back from one down, scored twice in the last five ten minutes, and yeah, Vaughan basically gifted us the win there. From what you've seen already of Spurs, then. Um, is there anything you're particularly worried about as far as we're concerned than playing us? I mean, obviously, you've had a, a slow start, I'd say, but in reality, you've had quite a tough start as well. I don't think anyone was ex- expecting you to go and win at United on the first day. And, and Stoke are an interesting team this year. You, you should have won the game, obviously, being 2 0 up. Um, of course, we, you know, your attacking prowess is always going to scare a team like us who's defence isn't the greatest you know I always have respect for someone like Christian Eriksen who on his day is, is one of the best creators in the league um, and, and Kane who scored four goals against us last season um, hopefully he doesn't get off the mark against us this time but I have a feeling it's quite inevitable Your fans hate Harry Kane for some odd reason didn't he come on loan there at one point and now they don't like him because he played on loan Yeah <laughs> I think hate is a, hate is a, is a strong word. He's it's more of a pantomime villain uh, in the fact that he came here when he was crap. Uh, but he also came here at a time. He was about twelve at the time, though. Wasn't uh, it, was, it was it was after his Millwall loan spell. Um, it was I think it was his last loan spell before he came back to you and then did well. 
he kept, he was in the team at a, a bad time really because he he wasn't starting too many games. Um, and then when he did come on, he came on on the left wing. Um, so it wasn't ideal for him, but he he didn't didn't look very good. He didn't look like the sort of player who turn out out to score, you know, thirty plus goals in a season like he did last year. Uh, but yeah, and then and then he scored four times against us last year. So yeah. I don't think he's popular, let's say. But it's it's more frustration than anything. I think. Why why didn't he do it with us? Who are the uh, who are the players in your squad most likely to trouble us? Then is it going to be the likes of Vardy and and Mares? Yep, exactly, exactly those two. Although Okazaki, like I say, um, he scored his first goal on, against West Ham on Saturday, which was which was pleasing from our perspective. But against Sunderland, he, he links up really well with with those two and and kind of facilitated a lot of their play. But those two are always going to cause problems because they're quick and Mares is is tricky as anything. You know, he's he, you know exactly what he's going to do. He's kind of an iron Robin in that way, in that he's going to just cut inside on his left foot. But you usually know there's going to be something good on the end of it. Uh, he had a bit of trouble finishing his chances last year, uh, and even against Sunderland on the opening day, he scored twice but missed three. So there's still that side of his game that isn't perfect. But he's he's started the season really, really well. So he's definitely the one to watch. But Vardy is is a nightmare, no matter who he plays against, because he he's so quick and he's and he's got you know twenty batteries in him that never seem to die. So he's a, he's he's a sort of player fans always going to like. Do you play a four three three then with three sitting a bit deeper and then those three as a as a clear band up front together? Yeah, he's kind of flicked between four three three four four two. Um, so you basically got Okazaki leading the line with Vardy, Mares pushing alongside him. You've got Jeff Schlott and Mark Albrighton also on, on the wings who have been very good this season so far. So it's quite fluid, but it's all about the wings. But defensively, we, we probably could get at you. Yeah, I would I would say yes. If you had to, uh, to, to have a score prediction, what would your suggestion be? I'm going to go for a 2-1 Leicester win. And <laughs> I think, I think the, the couple <laughs> of games have got to my head a bit because I wasn't expecting a great deal at the start of the season, but... I don't know. Just we we just look a bit fearless, and and I'm not sure Tottenham have quite got it together yet. Um, I don't know. There's just there's just something inside me that, that wants to be confident this time. I'm sure it'll bite me on the arse, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> what would be a, a successful season for Leicester? Then is it just another case of staying in the league again, or are you expecting a tiny bit more? I would I would like it to be comfortable. It was it was not pleasant viewing for. 28 games of last season so if we if we finished where we did last season and it was easier then I'd, I'd take that because you know it gives us another platform to build on for next, for the year after um, when we would hopefully be looking you know even higher mid-table but staying in the division is obviously the first the first port of call yes because ultimately we've had two not easy games to start the season but we've had a, a kind start let's say um, and that always helps. You've got the advantage this weekend as well because it's at it's at Filbert Street, isn't it? Uh, yep, it's it's at it's at, it's at King Power. Um, oh, what? Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't keep up to date with the. Uh, <laughs> it's Filbert Street, the the old stadium. What was it called in between? It was, yeah. uh, was it called the, Walkers? The stadium, yeah, yeah. No, last game at Filbert Street, last league game was against Spurs. It, it was. What was the? Uh, uh, one one two one. I think we won two one. We definitely won. Um, it's all pointing to a Leicester win now after this conversation. I feel less confident about the game than I used to. All right, to be honest, by five, you know, five thirty on Saturday, I'll probably be sobbing. So, 
<laughs> you know. Well, um, but while, while we're in, while we're in second, it's uh, it's easy to say that we can win. So yeah. Well, uh, the best of luck to you for the weekend, and thanks very much for your time. No problem. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thank you very much, Raj. Thank you very much, Joe. Welcome back to the main event, the uh, the old bastards show um, with me, your host, Trunk, and my esteemed, well... Similarly, old bastard, Mr. Sebastian Stafford-Bloor. I've just done kind of like the first half intro in the second half. I don't know why, but mixing it up a bit. So, do you? Sorry, I'm sitting in a different room now. I mean, I'm sitting, also sitting in a different position to give my back a bit of a rest. Are you in like a yoga yoga position? Uh, sitting on the floor now. I was in my office chair for a while. Now I've changed just to you know, straighten the old spine out, keep it Curl, curled up in a ball in the corner, rocking. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, as you were thinking about that Stoke performance. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, well, Raj has spoken about Leicester at length. So, um, just just quickly, anything anything you care to say looking ahead to Leicester at all? So, I think we'll lose. I think we'll um, lose as well. Yeah, I think um, I really like how... I, I like what Leicester are as a side, but I also like what they've done over the summer. Um, the Tinker Man. Do you like the Tinker yeah. Man? Well, it's funny though, isn't it? Because if, if, he, if he turned up, in the league now, no one would. He was just doing what every manager does now. Back then, I mean, I, I know some of his changes were a little bit excessive when he was at Chelsea, but he was he was just implementing a squad rotation policy before English football was ready to deal with it. <laughs> like anything back then, anything other than same eleven players every week was just in four four two. Exactly. We. I think maybe he was just. Um, I think the problem might have been with us rather than him. He always seemed like a lovely man as well. I always thought. Yeah. Yeah. He had that translator who kind of went rogue as well. Yeah. Just started doing his own stuff, which, to be fair to him, I, I think they probably sacked and sued him, but they, um, it's got to be awfully tempting if you're uh, in that position just to go, no, I'm going to go with my tactics this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to lose. Um, so yeah, a bit cool. disappointed actually that we didn't make a bit of a play for uh, Mares over the summer. I like him. And he, he looks quite good, doesn't he? Yeah, really good player. Dare we say it could link up well with Bentaleb? Yeah, yeah. International teammates, obviously. Exactly. Uh, kind of, they're both both Algerian, aren't they, mate? You know, it's not you know whatever. Yeah. So I think there's still some some credence to that, perhaps. Fuck it, shut up. Um, 
questions. Let's go on to some questions. So we, this isn't so much a question, and this links in nicely to something that's happened today in the news. Um, we've had a comment from Matt on the... Uh, it's just Matt, that's all it says, um, on the website, rtrpod.com, for anyone who hasn't visited it yet. He says, disagree with you over Berahino completely. He's a very good finisher who could form an excellent partnership with Kane. Sado is 21 stroke 22 and got 14 goals last year in a very poor team. Some of his finishing is quality and whilst I agree there's more to his game outside the box, he's very reminiscent of Defoe in that department. I'd take that all day long for anything under 20 mil. I mean, what, what I would say initially to that, Matt, is... You know, you're just disagreeing with Raj there, really. Because um, I'm actually kind of on side with getting Berahino in, like you say, for under 20 million. And I think, Seb, you're kind of on the fence about it. And I don't think Raj is like vehemently anti-Berahino. I think he sees the the, the merit in um, bringing him in. Oh, hang on. We've got uh, <laughs> Raj, who is he? Christ, is he actually at the game? Here we go. One second. Raj has just sent us a message on Skype saying, Half time here, bell me in. Alright, see if we can add this tosser in now. He can't stay away, can he? It's just control freakery, isn't it? Yeah, fucking tosser. He wants to control how long we're, we're doing it for, what we're talking about, making sure we don't go over the time limits. Hang on. I see his face on my screen now. But yeah, ultimately, Matt. Um... I don't think I, I, I like Berahino. I, I just um, one thing I say, Matt, about that goal return is if you look back over, it, you're right. But look back over his season and look back when his, those goals were scored. He's a very streaky player. He goes through periods of games where he will score goals and then long barren spells as well. So I'm not quite sold on on his economy in front of goal yet. Um, he he's one of those guys who. Um, it's going to depend what he's worth is going to depend on, on quite a few variables um, Mr. Raj Baines oh we've, we've got Raj we've... Hi, you you're right Baines you absolute Hi, disgrace how are you doing are you, uh, yeah. you... Out... Yeah. Not, not too bad down conceded after 20 seconds <laughs> you're a lucky charm yeah, mate they didn't even touch the ball <laughs> <laughs> How many have you had, Raj? What's that? How many have you had? None. None? You're at the football, you haven't had any beer? No, we walked straight down from Also and uh, Sykes is driving, so we've not, we've not touched anything. We've been, we've been good. Oh, dear, I oh dear. That's even more of a disgrace, right? The fact you're missing the pod, you're at the football and you're not even having a beer. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you're just in time, mate. You're just in time. Uh, you can give us a, 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 a brief review if you want. On a, we've had we've had feedback from a Matt who completely disagrees with you on Sado Berahino. Um, we've, had he, a, we've had a, who, who's this? He, he's called Matt, and he's he's replied on the on the site, and he said he he disagrees. Uh, he thinks that Berahino is a very good finisher. He'll form an excellent partnership with Kane. They're um, not going to play together, though, are they? So Matt's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> He'll play up wing. That's not a partnership. He might be part of a front three. 
They're not going to play four four two together, have they? They're certainly not. And as yeah, as you not. were saying, he's right. as well, Sebi, yeah, he's uh, he's he's not really. A, he missed an absolute sitter on the weekend as well, didn't he? He did. No, thing thing with him is for fifteen million pounds, you go ahead with deal. Anything more than that, then it, it cheapens the effect of signing a player for me because he'll have that price tag hanging over him, and he'll never be able to live it down because he's not that good. It, it reminds me very much of that Darren Bent deal. This is exactly what Seb and I were saying before the pod is that, you know, if, if our grand plan all summer has been to sign Sido Berahino, then you're taking no one by fucking surprise doing it now. Why didn't we do it earlier on? Because yeah. if, if we've actually wanted to buy him, we've obviously known we've wanted him all along because we haven't pursued anyone else really and then come in for Berahino at the last minute. So yeah. why did not we do that earlier on? If we are spending now, because apparently we've bid 18 million today, which has been turned down. If you spend any more than that, if the lad, as you say, if he doesn't score over, and I, I will be honest, if he doesn't score more than 15 Premier League goals, and we've spent upwards of 20 million pounds on him, people are just going to say shit and never give him a chance again. Um, and, for and that amount of money as well, he's going to be a second choice no matter what, because there's no way he's going to play over Harry Kane at any point even if Kane's got a knock at the moment he's not a proper first choice and where does that leave the, the other lad uh, Clinton Ninja he's not he's not going to like the fact that we've just bought another lad who's clearly you know going to have to play more than he is because we spent more money than him so it's it doesn't make sense on various different levels there's a, a price limit on it making sense and uh, I'm, I'm not sure we're thinking too clearly we've sort of they're almost buying into the hysteria that is sort of surrounding the striking situation online. I'm, I would, because I'm stubborn, I'd be tempted to just sort of go without rather than rush a signing. I'd, I'd happily go with just two strikers, knowing that we've saved ourselves a 20 minute, 20 million accident, than uh, than rush anything through because it's not. It's not a great bit of business if that's the case. I mean, it's not particularly what I'd want. I mean, I do still worry about us not having enough options because Kane looked absolutely spent against Stoke still. I felt he he, he looked knackered. I mean, if and I really am reticent to, to even say the name, but... If we could get Charlie Austin for about ten million, oh I'd, no, Jack. Oh, but no. mate, I'd sooner take that than twenty-five million on Berahino. You, you know, the, the thing with Charlie Austin is that he's, he's not someone that's particularly useful in the build-up play. He's, no. a, he's a penalty box poacher type. Force. That's true. He's, he's yeah. He's someone that thrives off. I mean, he, he worked really well last season with Bobby Zamora because Zamora knocked out a lot of balls. And he's sort of first time based on a lot of movement. He's not someone that you've ever imagined dropping deep to play and interacting with our wide players. I mean, like, I do I do definitely know what um, what you're saying, Raj, and that there is a bit of hysteria, but I think at the same time, I do think there is warranted concern over our, like, our striking options. Yeah, um, I mean, me, me and Seb have had this disagreement all summer about the, the lack of people coming in, so... There's obviously a need to bolster the squad, but I'm not sure that making accidents is the way to no, go. No, no, no. I, I, no, I agree I with mean, that. I keep, on, I keep on bringing up your rent age just because he makes more sense. I mean, I'm not saying he's the one to hang our hat on. He's the one that's going to you know, be the, the answer to everything we need. But somebody of that ilk, 
I mean, I don't want to knee-jerk and, and go against you know the new structure of Pochettino and Mitchell already, but given that he's been at the club for six odd months, if, if not longer, surely he's, he's known that this window was coming and the players that were going to leave were you know easily identifiable uh, beforehand. So he's he's got to have been looking for strikers, and you know Clinton and Jai makes sense because he's the type of player you'd expect them to identify. And, Sederberry, you know, just seems a bit obvious and a bit expensive. Well, he's the kind of player that any one of What'd us three could have scouted. Like, ultimately, you don't need a black box or a scouting network to decide that Sederberry might be a player that you're a interested in. That's not sort of searching for value in a market. That's just, you know, watching match of the day every week. <laughs> yeah. It's completely so much for the anyway, fucking black that. box. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's nice speaking. The second half's about to start, so I'm going to get off. Um, but just before I go, I... Uh, there's this Brighton, what is he, Sykes, right winger that is called a cunt for start. Is it right winger that I called a cunt for start? <laughs> right winger that I called a cunt for start. Uh, he's, he's running up the right wing and he won't give the ball back uh, even though he's not been fouled. So I just at the top of my voice, I just shouted, give the ball back, you fucking cunt. And uh, the woman in front was not amused whatsoever. The most evils I've ever had. Me and Sykes just sat there and giggled for about 10 minutes afterwards because like, of the look she gave us for the rest of the hour. You make it, making yourself, uh, making yourself at home in your new seat, mate. Seriously? I've, uh, I, well, I can't tell you about you know, all of the people around me at the minute because like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do it next time. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll fill you in um, another day. But it's been nice to, to hijack you for 10 minutes while... I've been waiting for town to concede again. Um, hopefully, hopefully they'll get a point out of this. Quite like this little on-the-spot report. We might have to uh, might have to embrace this in future, mate. If one of us goes to the lane or something. Give it a go. It's quite good. Field recording. Yeah, I like All right, it. I'll, uh, I'll let you two Sounds more dramatic. Make, make Sounds sure infinitely more question. dramatic. All right, have a good one, mate. Yeah, make sure you answer my question. We will do. We will. All right, in a bit. The one thing I'll say about Berahino is that um, Roger's talking about, uh, and Matt's questions have implied that he, he might be playing with um, Kane up front, which is obviously not the case. But I watched quite a bit of the England under-21s last season, and Berahino typically played from the left-hand side in that kind of Chadley role with either um, uh, Nathan Redmond, with generally Nathan Redmond on the right. So he's kind of, he, he's, I don't think he, if he does arrive at Tottenham, he's being bought as a centre-forward. Um, so I'm not sure that's a problem, but I, I, I agree with both in the sense that £20 million, pounds, it, it just feels odd. It feels, again, like it's something we said last week, contrary to the whole idea of bringing in this new recruitment strategy. I, it's, it's just it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, um, I would sooner rather that we, we, you know, we took, not a punt, but we, we saw maybe... We used ten million each on 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 two players with from sort of leagues where players are typically undervalued, and took a little bit of a risk in certain positions, rather than just playing ourselves into a situation where um, we're at the mercy of English transfer market inflation. And I, I don't know. I just I don't understand how how Paul Mitchell is part of that. I, I just it doesn't seem to add up to me. No. Well, uh, I mean. That that Raj dropping has thrown me a little bit. That was so different. That's yeah, so I, I do like that field reporting style. I think. Oh, and also, Matt, I wouldn't I wouldn't take uh, Raj's calling you an idiot too personally. He pretty Does much calls us that 
constantly. So yeah, that's what we wake up to every morning. With, Pretty much, you know, yeah. yeah. His uh, his his nicely phrased question that will be coming up in a bit. We'll attest to. Um, we've had one from Jack Ingleton, um, who says, "If you could replace one of Lamella or Townsend for Yarmolenko, which would you choose?" I think Lamella has the ability to become a much better player than Townsend, but Townsend is far more likely to become a useful squad member. It's quite an interesting question, I actually. Think that's, that's, that's actually quite an astute observation. I think he's probably right. Um, one thing I'll say is about about Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko is 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 already twenty five. Um, so if you're going to replace, I, I don't see necessarily the point in, in replacing Lamella with. With him, and I think Yarmolenko is off the table. By the way, I think that that has probably been and gone already um, as an option. But Lamella, you know, give Lamella a couple more years, and there's every reason to believe that he could be at a Yarmolenko-like level. Um, Townsend, I don't, I, I like Andres Townsend. I, I think there are inefficiencies with him, and uh, which we're all aware of. But I don't necessarily think he'll ever be more productive than he is at his current level. Um, but he because he has that pace and because he's such a direct player, you're quite right. He, he he is quite useful to have around. I think as well. There's a there's an element of. Oh, I I say this now, but you know, when he like like we were saying earlier on in the season, when he wants to start making the England squads and things like that, is Townsend going to be happy to sit on the bench? Blah 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 blah. But there's I can't help but feel that you know. He is going to be happier sat on the bench than someone like Lamella, um, and we could use as as like an impact player. Um, I also think this we're probably going to get a better sell on value from someone like Lamella. I, I I just ultimately see like I don't really want it to play out this way, but ultimately I see Lamella being the type of player that ends up at a club like Benfica or ends up someone like Porto or Valencia and has a, just a very Decent, a, a, a club with like kind of real kind of you know Champions League group stage kind of credentials, the sort of team that wins the Europa the League. League. Oh, I, I think that's, that's actually that's quite a um, that's quite a pertinent thing because I think Lamella. If you put Lamella into a team who are typically dominant in games like a Porto or a Benfica or you know uh, uh, any side who, who who typically bullies their way through their domestic program. I think that kind of team could probably accommodate his style of play a little bit better than we could, um, because you could allow him to be a luxury. You wouldn't need, necessarily need him to be as defensively occupied, and you know, ball retention wouldn't be such an issue. I, I, you know, it's more than more than probable. I think eventually. Um, let's uh, move on to one of our other questions. It's a tough one, though, isn't it? It's, it's it is. I, I don't. To be honest, uh, the, the, the more the time goes on, the less comfortable I am in predicting Lamella's future. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I, I think he's a very talented player, and I think, given the right circumstances, he could be exceptional. But I think it's all going to amount to which club gives him the most time and which club gives him the circumstances which, mo- the circumstances which most suit his skill set and his personality. And I don't know if we're going to be that club, so who knows. We've had a question from Okar Long. Um, apologies if I've pronounced it incorrectly, um, who has said, uh, dear guys, the type of player I feel we are missing is a Graham Roberts type player, the kind that will stick his head into the flying tackles to win the ball. Um, <laughs> who can we sign um, or who from our squad can be that Graham Roberts type 
player. Um, he also then goes on to talk about Soldado, who's probably a, a good talking point as well. But just for that first one, I think like like we were saying earlier on, I mean, he's he's probably not. I I never really got to see Graham Roberts play. I'm not I'm not actually. No, I never saw him live. I'm not old enough. Yeah, exactly. As much as Rose I like to be able to say piss. that as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Too young. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, as from what I can understand, he's that kind of like you know mercurial hard man type player that could also play as well at the same time. I don't think there's room for that kind of player in the game now. No, I mean it's 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 kind of gone a bit, hasn't it? And I mean, I think the closest thing we have to a kind of hard man is someone who's a bit ratty and tenacious like Ryan Mason that we have at yeah. the moment. He's just absolutely not Graham Roberts. No. Who right. um, perhaps someone you know we had like Sandro previously, um, who is uh, again Sandro a prime example of you know why we should be maybe more forgiving of players like Modric and Bale uh, because you know there's a player very much on the precipice of moving to a seriously elite level club at one point and then one injury and he's. Uh, not even really making I a QPR side. I really sad, I think, because I, I really like Sandro. I mean, yeah. when he was fit, he was an excellent player. He was one of the best ball winners we've had in the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, when he started to think he was Glenn Hoddle, it was a bit problematic and when he wanted to spray the ball around. Um, but he um, he was very effective at his best. Um, and it's, it's a real shame what's happened to him. AC Milan, wowee. What a performance. Oh. That was, and not only that, but it, that was his... If I'm right, that was the first time he'd started in that kind of fixture. He was thrown in a... I think he played alongside Palacios in that game. Yeah. Uh, but Palacios is another one. Palacios, in, that, in his first year, Palacios was immense. I mean, he, he too suffered from that kind of Hoddle-Beckham syndrome where like, after a couple of successful tackles, he'd get a little bit overexcited with his distribution and start you know, playing opposition wingers in on our own goal. But he... Um, as a ball winner, he was great. Loved that kind of player. Just, Did he make his debut against Arsenal? Uh, I think so. Certainly one of his first games. It was the, the nil-nil Arsenal game. Yeah, and he was game. an absolute sergeant. Yeah. Like he, he was, was terrific. He he was, um, you know, he had just enough technical ability, but was just hard as nails. I, mean, um, I, I think there was like there's like a little video compilation I seem to record doing the rounds at the time where he was like stalking the whole Arsenal midfield yeah. like a like some kind of like rabid wolf um, well, he, he just had heart though Palacios I loved him he was um, it was it was quite a limited player and he, he sort of suited our purpose at the time and we probably outgrew him a little bit but um, while it lasted he was he was terrific he, I mean I think like his kind of heinous personal circumstances really oh, didn't oh. help his uh, yeah his his kind of career from that point on which you can Completely understand, it's completely can't you? Understandable, yeah. Of course, it's uh, a horrible. No, thing. you can't, because we spent however many million on him. But you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I to yeah, I don't like like Seb was saying. Um, I don't really think there's place a hard hard men in that respect in football anymore. Um, but going on to Soldado, he said, uh, "I wish Soldado all the best. Um, right player at the wrong time." for Spurs. Um, he could have been Lineker if we'd played to his strengths. Now, uh, I don't really agree with that. I've, I've been I, a big, I, I've been a staunch defender of Bobby in the past, but I, the, the kind of excuse that we didn't play to his strengths did start to wear pretty thin by the end. Yeah. I, I think Soldado more than anything is a really good example of how important, um, 
how important it is that a new signing gets a good start at a club. Yeah. Um, I, 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 there's, it's partially true that, no, he, he was a little bit of a victim of the system, but he, as much as anything, he was a victim of himself. Um, and one miss became two, two became four, and then all of a sudden every game there would be... You, you, could, you could sense the fear in Soldado every time he had a chance. And when, when that happens to a forward, obviously it's a problem. Um, and I don't know. We, it, just, it just was never going to get good. You know, we, I think it became quite obvious that he was sort of he just needed to go and get his career back on track. But I, I don't I don't see the Lineker thing because Lineker Lineker was a pure penalty box player, really. Whereas Soldado was actually very even when he wasn't finishing, he, his 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 distribution and his link up play was very good outside the box. And see, people laugh at that, but it's actually true. He's a yeah. very very good footballer, Roberto Soldado. He just couldn't. I, I think when we had the Arsenal boys on before the last derby, we were talking about this and. He's, you know, he's a very gifted player. Um, he just couldn't score goals in the end, which is, it was very sad. Mm, um, and, but he, he could link the play. That's absolutely true. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's really quite depressing. But one oh, of the things today sad. that is, honest to God, mate, it's... <laughs> this is terrible. It, it can't get any more fucking slapstick than this. Like when I was oh, just watching it, it's just, it's, it's awful. It's awful. So... I, for anyone that hasn't seen it, essentially, you know how they, how you they like seen to do it, Don't watch it, oh, basically. God, yeah. So how they like to do in Spain is, you know, when they unveil kind of a marquee signing, if you like, they'll get them out on the pitch and they'll do this unveiling ceremony. All the fans come into the stands. And, uh, yeah, so Villarreal did this with Soldado um, and, like, one of these kind of press gargoyles just wheeled out a load of balls and just kind of told them to kick them into the crowd. And he's he's literally standing in front of a stand. All he has to do is kick the ball into the stand. And he misses the fucking stand twice. He misses a st- an entire stand in front of him twice. And you're just like, Jesus, Bobby, mate. That's like, when just... you know how far inside his own head he's become. <sighs> he's just, he, he's, he, and the tragedy of it is... He didn't tune out of being a Tottenham player. He desperately, he clearly desperately wanted to to, to to succeed. And I don't know. It just it, it was it it was it needed to end. It was just heartbreaking to watch. That open letter was horrible. It was. So... Do, you, do you remember the um, the open letter he sent after after the Everton game when he was when he he sort of said oh when the crowd was chanting after he'd scored and um, he was going off at half time and the crowd was singing his he name. He said he cried or something. Didn't he? And it's just like. I don't you, deserve it. And yeah, and you just you saw him sort of, you know, gesturing to his wife as he's walking off the pitch. And oh my god, he just seems like a really decent guy. And um, I'd love it if he did well in Spain. I'd love it if he could reclaim some of his reputation. I think he's, uh, yeah, sad that it didn't work out, but you know, best of luck and everything. Yeah. Um. So let's have a look. Right. I okay. feel sad now. Oh I didn't enjoy Soldado at all. He's just miserable and old, but he's a lot richer than you or I, Seb, so you know, don't, don't feel too exactly. bad for him. You know? His life is far better than mine will ever be. <laughs> I guess that's, that's okay. Um, that makes me feel better, weirdly. <laughs> we've had one from Raj Baines, who says... Who? Yeah, quite. <laughs> says, Now then, you old cunts, has it fallen apart without me? Bet it has. Useless. On with the Raj, the man. pair of you. Anyway, just wondering, what do you make of the Ericsson to UV rumours? And 
the possibility of it happening. Some fucking idiots don't seem to rate him as highly as they really should because they're fucking idiots. Much love. Yeah. Excellent. That was a, a tremendous Raj. He, really. he'll, no, he's going to be like, that was fucking awful, that accent. Yeah. What, don't know what. Don't know, re- don't know what it was supposed to be. <laughs> you went a bit Geordie, but uh, went a, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't think Ericsson's on his way. I mean, I, I don't think we would be. I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I mean, you hear rumours, and I, I kind of, I've got to the stage where I, I don't, you know, I just, I can't pay attention to transfer rumours. I'm too old. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, We'd want too much room as well, right? Oh, I can't believe it. he's he's under contract. There's no, you know, his his deal isn't expiring anytime soon. We would we would take the piss with our valuation of him. Um, There's no chance he's going for less than twenty five thirty million. No chance. No, 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 no way. Um, and I, I can't believe there's any chance of him going for that kind of money at this stage of the window because we we, we don't have a player who can replace him yet, and. It just it doesn't. I, I again, I don't really know what our model is anymore because our transfer activity baffles me. But even by our standards, that would make no sense. Um, if, if you if, if he was sold in July, maybe because he probably will end up at a Juventus-sized club in the future. But it's not happening in the next ten days. Um, would you would you be tempted at all to let Ericsson go? If it involved something, something along the lines of a, a Llorente coming the other way, so mm. we we get a sizable chunk of cash, but someone like Llorente was coming the other way. Uh, is not a young player anymore. I, I Rogers, I, I Rogers right to sort of to, to cover him, but Llorente is. Like available for a knockdown fee for a reason because ultimately he's failed at Juventus and and also I don't I don't see what his role is other than you know providing a slightly different option. He we're not going to play two players up front, so he's not going to. He's, it's a nice all between him or Kane, and I think the fans and the manager would and, and actually Kane should play ahead of him because Kane is a sort of I don't know a slightly better fit for what we try and do. Yeah, he's a he, Lorente. Uh, do you remember that that preseason game um, when uh, we played Atletico? Uh, no, we played um, uh, Bilbao at the Lane. Yeah, he didn't look very yeah. good against us. I didn't think. No, well, uh, that's when we were so heavily linked to him, wasn't it? Yeah, well, uh, supposedly I, I was. I always thought that that game had been arranged for the sake of us signing uh, Lorente. That's how it was presented in the yeah. summer press. But I was obviously bollocks. But he he's a really good player. He's kind of. Um, Trying to think of a, a, a comparison, um, I, f- I can't really think of one. But he, he's really good with his feet, whilst also being pretty physical and pretty tall. Uh, and he will score goals, but he doesn't. I don't see them. If I'm losing an Ericsson in return, I, I know I, I, cash is fine, but I also want a player that can fill the hole left by Ericsson. And Lorente isn't that guy. Obviously, we're not going to go to four four two all of a sudden. So I don't. I don't. I, I, I think I'd pass. I think one of my. I want a younger player yeah. too. I think definitely. What Roger's saying as well about um, people not rating Ericsson, I think like one of my thoughts on Ericsson, and this kind of ties into the Soldado stuff as well because I do agree to an extent that you know perhaps Soldado isn't a player, and again with Lamella as well, perhaps they're not players that are 
that well suited to the Premier League. But at, at that only again that only goes really so far in that yeah. a, a truly truly top class footballer should be able to adapt his game really. Yeah. Um, and at least have you look at all the, the sort of the, the, the top class players that have come to this country from abroad. Precisely. Look at someone like Aguero. Aguero stepped on a Premier League pitch and was a star instantly. Exactly. But there I was mean, no like adjustment. I mean, there, there is a bit of a like a physical problem and yeah. a durability question, but that's not the same as playing shit for quite a long time. It's, it's two different things. I think. You, you could look at someone like David Silva as an example of someone that's not made for the English game, but it's making it look fucking good. You know? He's just good enough to make it, you know, he, he's got progressively better, but I think I, I, I saw his debut actually, because he, he, his first game was against us at White Hart Lane. Um, and he wasn't very effective, but I remember like, um, I went with my brother that day and he was saying, oh, I can't, you know, what's that? What's all the fuss about David Silva? Um, and he was kind of like, you, you could see the neat little touches and you could see the promise. He wasn't what he is now, but you could still see that he was just a very good player. And I, that, I'm okay to make that kind of excuse when there's a sort of a symptom of greatness somewhere, which is kind of tangible in a way, but not when a player just isn't very good or hasn't played well. I don't, I don't buy the kind of, well, it's the adjustment thing. No, I mean, the point I was going to kind of make there with Ericsson is that, like with, I'm not in any way saying he's on David Silva's kind of level, but I don't think Ericsson's particularly that well suited to the Premier League. But again, he's a player that's making a fucking good job of it at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think like Ericsson in a team where he has a lot of because he had to pick up a, a fuck of a lot of the slack last year, and I don't really think that should be his function within a team. I think he is a, a as we've said before, more of a luxury player. I think he should be a player that has that kind of freedom to to okay, well, operate loosely within a number ten position, but still be able to kind of float around behind the striker and in that final third and. Just kind of you know make the play happen, make give, give us that final ball or attack the goal himself. Whereas you know a lot of the kind of tracking back and a lot of the kind of like defensive work high up the pitch fell on his shoulders. I don't really think he should be doing that, but he's making a fucking good job of doing that. Um, and actually, I almost think that like if he did go on somewhere like Juventus, he'd actually have a fucking blinding career. Like in his own in his own interests. I think he probably should move on to somewhere like that, but I don't want to see him go. Um, I, I th- yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like if you get that kind of opportunity, if you, if you, it's impossible to say because it, it's in a Pochettino system, a player in Ericsson's role will always have to work without the ball. But if he played for a side where that there was no requirement on him, and he just floated it into the game, and he was almost a passenger without the ball, yeah, can you imagine how good he could be. If all he had to do was distribute and create, because that part of his game is is indisputably very very good. Um, it's just I think kind of one of the, the things that people miss is the link between fatigue and the a sort of dissipation of of creativity, um, and that's clearly something which fucked him a little bit last year. But if he didn't have that, top level player. He's an obscene footballer, isn't he? Yeah, his, his, his ability on the ball, and and that's the thing when we're talking about kind of. Like differences between English football and other leagues, like quality, sort of attributes like um, vision and uh, passing range, those are universal qualities in a footballer. You know, you like, you apply them slightly differently, sure, but like you know, a good player should be able to adjust with them, um, and they should be, you know, like, yeah. And so, I think Ericsson does have a, a good job, and he's kind of made a mockery of that sense of well, it's okay to be completely ineffective if you're a foreign player and hide behind the 
the notion of being uh, of, of adjustment. I think that's a little bit of a fallacy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, let's see, do we have any other questions? Do, 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 do. We've got one from Naushad Ali who says, it's the signing of Clint, I'm assuming he means Clint and Jai, um, an attempt by Pochettino to fill the Jay Rodriguez hole in his tactical master plan, or is he someone who could play as a central striker in place of Kane in the Premier League? Mm, it's probably a I, bit of both, isn't it? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I, 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 he's not... From everything I've read, because I, I, haven't, I haven't really seen him play, but... Everything I read, he's not comparable to Jay Rodriguez as a footballer. Um, I think he's arriving. I um, I think I mentioned this last week, but an article I read on French Football Weekly said that the the, the plan originally with him will likely be to to play wide and to give the side pace and a little bit of finishing ability. Um, I don't think he's been bought as a sort of initially as a competitor for Kane. I think he will, he will play in those in a wide role, maybe up front in a in a Europa League. League Cup sort of scenario, possibly. I don't know. I, I I'm not going to pretend to know very much about him now either. Would you, uh, even after his injuries, um, are you surprised that we haven't gone in for Jay Rodriguez? No, because I, I until he's been out for he's had such a terrible, terrible time. You, you, I I know sort of having that kind of injury is different now than it was sort of 15 years ago. And it's unlikely to to ruin his career, but you, you just don't know what he's going to be. Um, and he signed a new contract at Southampton, so they've been within their rights to to demand quite a lot of money. You can't take that kind of risk off a player who hasn't played for eighteen months. That's a hell of a long time to be out in the modern day, at least. It's pretty gutting that though, because oh, it's hard for him. Yeah, he was he, he was, was playing so he would have gone to the World Cup as well. Yeah. Uh, it just you got to feel sorry for the boy, and, and, and he, he he did have an excellent season. He was, um, I thought he had a, a better season than Adam Lallana in that that last year at Southampton. <laughs> probably probably saved him a transfer to Liverpool anyway. So <laughs> saved him from having to play for Brendan Rodgers. Oh yeah. Christ! Did you see that picture of him that was doing the rounds yesterday? Oh, which Brendan Rodgers, like on the sideline, just with that maniacal kind of with his hand up. So that is that, that is fucking is. is Goal celebration with his. I can't stand Brennan Rogers. When he puts his arm up and he's just. He's such a. T- he is just David Brent. I know, like, people say it all the time, but it's just. You can't escape from it. Like, he is. I, I don't see. I, he, yeah, he is. And I, but I, I don't derive any humour from Brendan anymore. I just find him <laughs> irritating. He, uh, he always beats us. They're probably going to beat us again this year. Ah, uh, maybe, but like you know, so so he should, given how much he's allowed to spend at that club. Yeah, fucking ridiculous, man. I mean, trusting Brendan Rodgers with that amount of money, Jesus Christ! I don't mind. Three three seasons in a row, too. Incredible. Jesus. Right, mate. Um, so I think we've 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 given it a good crack without the young whippersnapper tonight. Um, done all right. We have we haven't dwelled on age or or anything. No, anything that we're we've, not supposed to talk we've about. Probably waffled on a bit, but you know you can forgive us in our old age for doing so. I'm sure. Um, so if you do have any questions for the pod, or you want to listen to any previous episodes of the podcast, you can do so on rtrpod.com. You can also download the Acast app from wherever you get apps on the Google Store or the App Store, so on and so forth. And search for Rule the Roost on 
Acast. Uh, we're also on iTunes. So you know, there's a there's a there's an even spread amongst various different platforms, if you like. Um, follow us as well at RTR. Uh, what is it? Underscore pod. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the Twitter handle. Stop sending out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where you can just follow us and be abused by Raj, basically. Um, but I think that's about it. Oh, no, no. Hang on, Seb. You've got a fantasy football update as well, don't you? I do. I do. I do. Um, okay, well, the main point to make is, is people were, were sort of far more cognizant of the rules this time. Maybe they, um, they've been chastened by Nikhil's expulsion. Good. But in third place, 104 points, we have um, Steve McBeth and his... That's... Ah, you must have had a fun time at school with that name. Um, with uh, Dunfermline Pathetic. Nice work, <laughs> um, Second place, 108 points, Patrick Morris, Morris Hotspur. Again, no illegal players, well done, Patrick. And leading the way at the moment... Um, with his The Dolphin FC, a uh, bit of a, a Nasa Chadley fan, uh, Francis William with 110 points. Uh, and we've only had two expulsions this week in total, um, and they were both for John Terry. So um, if you find yourself no longer included in our fantasy league, then you only have yourself to blame. <laughs> Hang your head in shame, you scumbags. Yeah, I'm also going to extend... I think I, I, um, I, I think we should extend the rules now. And there's no Charlie Adam anymore either. Yeah. I was thinking over the weekend and, and you just you, you can't in good conscience pick him um, it's just not right so he's banned uh, you, you'll have two weeks to get him out of your team and then, <laughs> then um, the hammer will drop on anyone who doesn't I mean to be honest we're doing you a favour what the fuck do you want Charlie Adam in your team for yeah, anyway? you yourself in a position where you have to want Charlie Adam to do well Jesus Christ yeah. um, anyway thank you very much for listening everyone thank you very much for your update as well there Seb um, By the um, way, you and me are now joined top of the uh, fantasy rugby league as well. Really? I just dropped off. You and me, dead equal, thousand points clear. Well done, us. Jesus, <laughs> that's not true, is it? No, it's totally true. Oh, Christ, I've just fallen. Raj has to pay a price for, um, for for missing pods, and we're just going to hit him where it hurts the most. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even like rugby league, and I'm beating Raj. He's yeah. shit. There you go. Huddersfield tosser. Um, Good night, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 